What's up, Story Geeks? It's Jay. And Daryl. On today's show, we are counting down our top five time travel movies. Yes, we are. And joining us today are some old buddies of ours, Mike Faber and Mike Gordon from the Earth Station One podcast. Uh, we've been enjoying their podcast pretty much ever since we started our own. And we've had Mike Gordon on several times. This is a first time appearance for Mike Faber, however. And they love these kinds of movies, so this is going to be super fun. It is. It's going to be awesome. And we'd also love to hear your thoughts. What are your top five time travel movies? You can share those with us in the Story Geeks Facebook group. The link to our Facebook group is in the show notes. And also be sure not to miss our upcoming shows. So next week, we are going to be diving back into Star Wars and doing a character journey episode for Leia. So we're really excited about that one. We've done Luke. We've done Han. So... We get to complete the Trinity here. And then the week after that, we're doing something that I've wanted to do for a long time. We're going to make Green Lantern better. It so needs to happen. It does. <laughs> Desperately. I know, right? <laughs> Thanks for listening in. The Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. All right. Well, we're here to talk about our top five time travel movies of all time. And um, we want to welcome our guests real quick here. We have our buddies Mike Faber and Michael Gordon from the Earth Station One podcast. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Howdy. Yeah. Howdy. That's what I was waiting By for. By the way, this is the first time <laughs> we've been able to get Mr. Faber on the podcast. That's yes. right. Yeah. Well, I have to wear the director's hat for the network, so you know it's kind of hard to <laughs> nail me down sometimes. That's right. But thank you guys for having me. It's a real honor. I love your show. Oh, yeah. thank oh, you very much. Thank you. Um, why don't you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about Earth Station One and what you guys are doing over there? Sure. Earth Station One is a podcast that we've been doing since 2010. And we are doing basically a geeky talk show. And each week it's a different topic, kind of similar to what they do here. And, you know, we talk about all different things, different topics. And we have celebrity guests on, we have artists, writers, you know, just general people and we have a segment called the geek seat i think both of you guys have survived it we have it's incredibly stressful i don't think i did survive i think i'm still a ghost <laughs> right now actually <laughs> actually i see the chain marks on your leg so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah it's pretty awesome and it's just a ton of fun and we talk about all different things we're about to have an episode where we talk about movie previews and you know over the years some that have lied to us that one that have stunned us you know stuff like that or we do like next week we're going to be reviewing christopher robin so it's pretty oh, darn awesome. awesome kind of stuff and the one thing that um we actually i kind of wish that ashley was on the podcast with us because ashley writes <laughs> reviews for you guys and then writes uh blog posts for us ashley is the bridge ashley between Pauls. our worlds yeah exactly <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, Ashley actually does a weekly movie review segment for our podcast also. Yeah, which is awesome. And you guys should be listening to that if you're not already. Mm -hmm. It's great. She does a fantastic job. And it's neat because she was really shy when we first met her. And it's been great because she's been on the show for almost four years with us. And to see her blossom like she has. Mm. Yeah, and she's a fantastic writer too. I mean, yeah. she writes the reviews for you guys or when she does the blog post for us. Like, really, really solid. Oh, yeah. It's just amazing. And, you know, I couldn't do the show without Mike. And, you know, it's pretty neat to 
have him because he's just celebrated his eighth anniversary with us. What? Yeah. Eight years and over, well over 400 episodes. And that's not even counting uh, because we also are co-hosts of a a show called uh, Earth Station Who, which we record, uh, yeah, a lot. (laughs) And uh, I also, uh, we also record a monthly Dragon Con report and uh various other specials so this is actually yeah my fourth podcast in four days whoa <laughs> mm-hmm. trying and to only, records yeah. over there, there and only know. two of them have been with the eso network that's true oh, no actually nice. three of them have been oh that's true because you were on uh, nathan's podcast yeah i was on the 42 cast last night so that was cool. wow um so yeah i mean I, I i i tend to get around um but uh um i always enjoy stopping by this place because it's been too long gents I know. It has. I, know. I think it was Blade Runner last time we talked to you. I'm waiting to get my five-timer jacket. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's, it's, it's in the mail. It takes a long time to get, yeah. but it's in the mail. <laughs> it's right next to his paycheck for ESO. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're gathering the silkworms now to start weaving it. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Well, hey, let's dive into our time travel movies, shall we? This is something that we've talked about a little bit and some of our Patreon stuff in the past, but we've been wanting to do a full-blown episode on it. So yeah, here's how it's going to work. We'll just go through. Uh, we'll go five down to one, um, and we'll take turns each sharing our number as we go, and uh, we'll just talk a bit about our movies and argue why they deserve to be in the top five. In some cases, maybe one of mine, argue why they deserve to be called a time travel movie. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, we'll I see think how I might have one of those also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike Faber, newbie to the show, why don't you kick us off? What's your number five film? Okay. Actually, mine, my number five has a number four in it, actually. Ooh, I think I know what it is. I think I it's, do, too. It's going to be Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, there be whales there, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> and it is just, it is awesome. It's just seeing, you know... Kirk and Spock in the 20th century. And I always had a, like the episodes of the original series when they did time travel. And this one just blended it perfectly in. And it was neat to see because it was also the fish out of water type scene because they were, you know, had all this future technology, but they had to try to blend in with, you know, current culture, which was the 80s at the time, I think. Yeah, and, Spock cussed a dude out on the bus, didn't he? Oh, no, no. He just, uh, the Kirk guy was... Did. Kirk, Kirk did. did. Oh, okay, that's right. And yeah, yeah, Spock yeah. just gave him the Vulcan yeah, neck pinch. Yeah, he gave him the <laughs> right. And, and stopped the music. Exactly. Yeah. And everyone <laughs> applauded him. It's awesome. It, I knew that if we were going to have any of the Earth Station 1 podcast people on, it was going to be a Star Trek. There's going to be a Star Trek thrown in there. You it's can't so, really talk about time travel without talking about no, Star you, Trek. You ha- I mean, they do it so do it. much. I know. Yeah. And uh, there were a lots of choice. Uh, cho- Star Trek appears on my list too, um, and uh, yeah, it's impossible to escape. I think they they do time travel really well, and they do different time travel stories. It's not, despite all the fact that they you know they've done so many uh, both on the series, actually all the series, and uh, and the movies. Uh, there's at least two movies, three movies actually that involve time travel. Yeah, uh, in the start in Star Trek. So. Um, 
it's it's great fun and they really they really play around with it Um, we used to joke about it that those episodes of the tv series or the movies were a little bit less budgeted since they didn't want to have to build special effects and do the cgi (laughs) shoot the same thing over and over again exactly so (laughs) hey let's just go out to alameda or something to the enterprise you know carrier or something like that so it was pretty cool yeah awesome all right mike gordon what's your number five my number five is Time After Time. Okay. 1979 Ooh. film, speaking of Star Trek, directed by my one of my favorite Star Trek directors, Nicholas Meyer. Uh, stars uh, Malcolm McDowell and David Warner. Um, H.G. Wells, Jack the Ripper, um, chasing each other through time. I mean, it's just awesome. Uh, it's a great premise. Uh, I think Nicholas Meyer wrote the original uh, story and screenplay, and so this is really like his baby. Um, great performances by Malcolm McDowell, and 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 Malcolm doesn't play an evil guy in this one, so that's kind of a nice. <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> is this one of the only times he's a good guy? Um, no, but it, it is rare. Yes, and I think it's one of his only starring roles where he's a good guy. Hmm. Um, uh, Mary Steenburgen is in it too, and uh, it's got a great cast. Um, it's a great premise. Uh, so good it should have been a series, but it was, and it, we won't talk about the series because it, it was not really good. But um, <laughs> uh, but no, it's a really, really fun, um, especially since you involve like H.G. Wells, who for a lot of folks is the father of the concept of time travel sure. in, in literature. So Yeah, I keep seeing that show up on, you know, as I'm doing my research for this. Yeah, it kept, I kept popping sh- up. Yeah, it kept yeah. showing up everywhere. I'm like, I actually haven't seen that, but now yeah. I have to watch it. Yeah, I so. I will say configuring the list was interesting. I mean, I had to I, I did go online and I realized I'm like, wow, I haven't seen a lot of time travel movies. <laughs> um, I've seen a lot of movies with you know some instance of time travel in it, um, and it is kind of weird that sometimes there's a distinction between you know I tried to pick movies that that used time travel to great effect rather than just featured an instance where someone went back in time. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we have like, you know, like you could pick, you could pick, you know, <laughs> Infinity War, you could pick Doctor Strange, you could right. pick yeah. like the original Superman movie, like all of them have instances of time travel in it. But I tried to like really concentrate on movies that that was the focus of or premise of the plot. Hmm. Cool. I like that. Jay, what's your number five? My number five is one of the newest ones. One of the most recent releases. Most of mine are pretty new On too. the list. Oh, really? Um, no, mine is Edge of Tomorrow. Ah, Ooh, yes. Good one. Edge of Tomorrow is a fantastic film. I, I rewatched it recently. I don't know if it was on Amazon Prime or, or I'm not sure why I rewatched it, but I liked it even more the second time around. Um, lots of Tom Cruise running. And I think that they've done a study now to <laughs> the show more like, the he more runs, he runs, the better the movie is. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> so it makes it really good. Um, Emily Blunt is fantastic in her role as well. Uh, and really cool special effects I, I tend to like the first half of the movie a little bit better than the second half of the movie mm-hmm. just because i like the aesthetic that they're dealing with yeah, and yeah it's kind of mysterious and stuff but really great highly recommended to everybody it's a great movie yeah we'll talk about it again nice <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah we'll see lots of not only lots of tom cruise running but lots of tom cruise dying <laughs> yeah, which you don't get to see a whole lot. They no, just no, it all not at all. One movie. <laughs> yeah. I know it was kind of weird. After the third time, I had to stop cheering. You know, <laughs> it was one of those movies that I think because had his name on it um, and his recent like kind of um, you know 
spotty record at the box office, I think a lot of people shied away from it, and I think it found an audience in, um, on like on video and and streaming and all that, and Netflix and whatnot, because people were like, "Yeah, I'll just watch it and see what it's like." Well, that was really good, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, the and marketing on it was terrible. Like they couldn't even decide what to call it. Exactly. In fact, yeah. if you're going to go watch it right now, it's not called Edge of Tomorrow anymore. It's called Live Die Repeat. Right? Live Die Repeat. Exactly. Colon, Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, colon. Yeah, there you go. So based on a comic called All You Need Is Kill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's we interesting also out. because it also ties into a book we once did in our podcast um, called Replay. Oh, and, interesting. You know, it it's kind of the same theme, but it's a little more spread out. So when I saw that the Tom Cruise movie was coming out, it was just like, oh, this should be interesting. And I was very pleased when I saw it at the theater. Absolutely. Yeah. I think they should have just stuck with it. I think Edge of Tomorrow is the best title. Yeah. Live, Die, Repeat is interesting. But it's almost too on the nose. It's well, like, they're trying too hard to be like the book without without having the word kill in their yeah, title. You right, know, right. like all you need is kill. Like, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. If they really wanted to sell a lot of tickets, they should just be like, watch Tom Cruise die. Yeah. <laughs> His highest grossing movie ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, my number five is actually another Star Trek film. Hmm. Um, and it's J.J. Uh, Abrams' first Star Trek movie from 2009. Ah. So, and Mike Gordon, I know this one may not make your list because it just has a little bit of time travel in it, but you've got Spock traveling back in time. Yes. Right. Thus kicking off like a whole new universe, right? The Kelvin yeah. timeline, they call it, I believe. Um, I love that movie. I know it may be sacrilege to longtime Star Trek fans, so I apologize, guys, <laughs> but... I love. I really love the new Star Trek films. I, I like the old ones too, but I really. I mean, J.J. Abrams. I love J.J. Abrams. Yeah, so, yeah. what can I say? But it was a lot of fun, except for the. My eyes are still trying to get over the lens flare. The so. le- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. There's so much lens flare. <laughs> I, uh, I I you know I really enjoy that movie as well. Um, I, it's funny. I don't think of it as a time travel, but I do really think it's a unique. You know, because prior to the movie's release, they kept saying, "This is not. We're not rebooting the franchise. We're not rebooting the franchise." And it's like everything in the ads. It looked like you're, re- you know, you've got someone else playing Kirk. You're rebooting yeah. the franchise. You and, really are. <laughs> and then you watch, you watch how it plays out, and you're like, "This is genius." I mean, it is a, it is a continuity reboot. Like, com- it's a reboot within continuity, which is mm. like unheard of. I don't know if I can't think of any franchise that successfully has pulled that off before. I think others are trying it now. Oh, yeah, yeah. They definitely started a trend. Yeah. And it for sure would not have worked without Leonard Nimoy. I mean, can, can, it would still would have been a brilliant idea conceptually, but nobody would have bought into it unless they saw Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. I think. And had him be the one who was traveling back, too. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. Okay, let's move on to number four. Mike Faber, why don't you kick us off with your number four? Well, Marty, we are really going to go back to the future on this one. Of course, we are doing the original Back to the Future. The first one, the one that laid the groundwork for the following two sequels and got to do what every kid never wants to do is meet their parents as kids (laughs) to actually see what they were like. And Zemeckis caught this great. It was just pure genius, him playing with, you know, that, you know, you're being erased from history because something happened to change it. 
and it's because your parents didn't meet or they didn't meet the right way and things have gotten changed around and it's all the little details that had it and michael j fox and christopher lloyd were at their best in this one. Oh yeah exactly and people you know will say oh i like christopher lloyd in roger rabbit or in taxi or you know many other roles he played but this whenever i think of christopher lloyd to this day it's doc brown He's Doc Brown. He's Absolutely. totally Doc Brown. Absolutely. And Michael J. Fox is always going to be Marty McFly for me, not Alex P. Keaton, you know, so. <laughs> or Doc Hollywood. Doc exactly. Hollywood. <laughs> exactly. And so, he, you know, it's just these were iconic roles. And they've talked for the last couple of years of remaking this. And I do not want to see that. Oh, please no. No, never. Please no. No remakes, no sequels. Just let it be. Yeah. Exactly. Basically, the, the two sequels to this were remakes in True. a lot of different ways because it was pre pretty much the same stories just played out a little differently in different mm -hmm. years. And Is it safe to assume that this movie's on all of our lists? It's on mine. Yes. I feel like it should be. It's on mine. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is on my mind. Okay. Yes, sure. All right. Cool. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll definitely talk about it more then. So, um, Mike Gordon, why don't you give us your number four? Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, speaking of the number four, Star Trek four. Hey. Um, yeah, hey. It, it's a little higher on my list. Um, I went through all the, you know, Star Trek movies that did time travel, and this one came out on top. Uh, a, it's the original crew being as charming and as uh, funny as they can be. Um, it's, they're great character pieces. You don't even see the Enterprise until I think the very end of the movie. Um, uh, and it, the premise is cool. Um, the, as Mike mentioned, it's a fish out of water, which is nice. Um, you know, as much as we saw them go back in time, we never really saw them in our present. Not yeah. like this. And so that was, you know, sort of the ultimate, like, kind of like, oh, what would happen if Kirk came and saw, you know, saw the 80s, you know, that kind of thing. And that was really cool. Um, it's not his first directorial movie, but I think it's one that really is his best movie. It, Leonard Nimoy directed this one. And uh, it's just great fun. So I, I had to pick this one um, as my favorite Star Trek uh, time travel movie. What year did that come out? I'm looking it up, but I'm. It came out in 86. 86 okay well it was interesting too because if you think about it, the last two star trek movies before this wrath of khan oh, and then the search for spock were both very dark and very heavy films yeah and then for them to come out and do this was like the opposite side of the coin and it, it lifted the weight off of it and it was really good natured and everything to yeah, see you, you don't it's funny you don't think of leonard nimoy especially as acting prior to this as a fun-loving humorous guy but he directs <laughs> comedy really well i mean after this he goes on to direct um to great success uh, three men and a baby and and have uh, tremendous success that way and do some other comedies and um you know he he's really he has a really good comedic touch I feel like um, that might have been the first Star Trek movie that I saw. I'm trying to remember if that's correct or not. But I remember seeing the TV series and not connecting with it a whole lot. Um, you know, because I was just a kid. I was born in 76. So, And then I remember seeing The Voyage Home and remember really liking Star Trek a lot more after that. Being like, oh, look what they can do with these characters, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Jay, what's your number four? 
I'm going to be over here with uh, with Mike Faber, but in a different way. Oh. Because my number four is actually part two. Part, part two. two. Yeah, so I, I love the entire series. Am um, I the only one in the world that likes part three more than part two? No. there. I've seen a lot of people dump on part two. Really? Um, yeah, and I, I don't understand it either. I, I like part two more than I like part three. Um, and I, I don't understand it, but I know a lot of people who consider the, the second one the worst. There was a time... For everybody listening, by the way, this is Back to the Future in case you haven't figured that out. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we're Back talking to the Future. About yeah, Back to the, the Future Part 2. Now, there was a time when I would have told you that Part 2 was my favorite of the trilogy. That is no longer true, which is a spoiler alert for the rest of my list. <laughs> um, but Part 2 is phenomenal. I think some of the ways that they use Part 1 are, like, genius. Yeah, groundbreaking. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I can't say enough. I mean, you guys already talked about um, Michael J. Fox as Marty and... Christopher Lloyd is doc. I, I can't say enough about that, but like the way that they take uh, Biff on a journey in this one, oh, it's just masterful. And yeah. the way that they hold, they set it up where he drops the almanac and then Biff gets the almanac and it's a whole, oh, yeah. oh it's just phenomenal. Loved it. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's interesting cause you, no one ever talks about how different Jennifer looks in this movie too. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> yes, very Just true. Let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> and technically, um, George. George well, that's was true. too. Well, yeah. he, he that was fi- closer. but Yeah, he got fired or something, I think, from the wow. series. Cause He's he, a weird dude. Oh, yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> Crispin Glover. Didn't he try out for Marty, too? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. I thought so. Well, He's you a, have to remember, yeah. Michael J. Fox wasn't even the first Marty. Yeah, Eric Stoltz. That's right. They actually shot footage. Actually, had the conflict. Eric Stoltz's hand and the back of his head are in the movie. Really? Yeah, in the scene in the soda, the soda fountain scene when uh, Marty punches Biff. Yeah. For the first time in yeah. the fifties, when you see it from behind Marty yeah. hitting Biff, that's actually Eric. That's oh not no Michael way! Dick. Really? I did yeah. not know that. No way. Yeah, it's the one shot. That's cool. Yep. My number four, this is the one that I, I might have to convince you guys that this is a time travel movie. Technically, no time travel occurs in this movie, <laughs> but it is arguably a time travel franchise. Whoa. So it's Terminator Salvation. Oh, oh. interesting. Do we interesting. accept that one? Can we accept that as a time travel movie? Can we I, I'm having trouble just accepting it as a decent movie. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a mountain that Jay and I die on. We both love Terminator I really Salvation. I do love Salvation, death. yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'd say it's a time travel film. I do love it as a film, but it, I am. we are in the minority. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. Wait, minority. Remind me, though, is this which one is this one? The Christian Bale one, the one that's actually set completely in the future. Okay, this is... I think this is the last one. This is I tapped out of this one. This is the last one I saw. <laughs> yeah. I watched half of it, and I was like, I will not be back. Yeah, see, Jay and I, we're, we're in the minority for we sure. We are, but yeah. I love that movie. I love watching it, and I've, I've said this recently on our show. I lament the fact that they didn't get to continue that trilogy. Yeah, me too. Because I really would have loved to see more, and Terminator Genesis was not a satisfying no, <laughs> next entry. No, it was so they did just release photos of Linda Hamilton from the set of the new Terminator yeah, she's movie. She's back. Right. And mm-hmm. she looks like she could murder me in two seconds <laughs> flat. So, Has that been named yet? Is that I don't know. Hmm. 
Have no. you guys heard Produce, a name for that Producer one yet? Producer Freddy says no. Producer nope. Freddy says no. Yeah, I nope. don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I like. I have. I don't really keep up with the franchise because between that, between after Salvation and the show, the movie, because the show, I think it was around that time too. Yeah, yeah. I, I just Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah, I just was like, no, I, I have to tap out, so I tapped out. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I may be back for Linda Hamilton though. Yeah, I know I'm in the minority, but man, I love that movie. Yeah, and that's okay. I'll. You know, we will we'll we'll carry the torch for that movie. That's <laughs> yeah, just fine. We will. <laughs> we don't we don't need any partners. <laughs> Let's go on to number three, Mike Faber. What do you got? Well, it actually ties into the topic you were just talking about. I'm actually going to Terminator Two. Hey, because oh. you actually do have time travelers in that. Yes, one. that's right. <laughs> you have two time travelers. I am here to save you. Hence the two. Exactly, <laughs> and it. This one, term, the first Terminator was great and everything, but this just took it up to 11. It was Arnold back, and at the, this point, Arnold was saying, I, no more bad guys. I am only doing good guys at this point. And oh, he, the, he, the only exception he made at that point was for Mr. Freeze, and you know how well that did. <laughs> <laughs> But it was the chilling sound of his doom. <laughs> <laughs> In more ways than one. Yes. But, you know, T2 was the, one of the first movies that, you know, took CGI to the next level. It, you know, basically, you know, took liquid metal and it integrated it with, you know, human form. And it was just amazing to see because this was early 90s and... CGI at that time. I think The Abyss was the first movie that even started playing with it. Yeah. To that form. The Water Snake. Exactly. And this took it way to the next level. And this movie was epic because you had scenes, you know, you just didn't have the other Terminator. You had the whole story with Arnold and Linda Hamilton's character and, you know, them having to deal with, you know, you know Skynet and the creation of the chip and everything, and then they come back to the other Terminator. It it just it felt epic in a lot of ways mm. compared to pretty much anything that was out by that time. My my one of my biggest memories from Terminator Two is this is a really odd one, but my dad for the first time bought a surround sound system, and the guy who installed it was like watch this scene and it's the scene where um arnold takes in the very beginning arnold walks up to the bouncer and like takes the shotgun from him and then cocks it and the shell like tumbles down off screen Uh and you can hear it in the one channel in the front channel so you can hear the thing (laughs) bounce in the one channel it's like that's so cool (laughs) and now we have dolby atmos yeah exactly (laughs) exactly it was kind of neat because you know, a couple of years after that, I had moved to Southern California and I was on my day to work for the first time and I was driving down the 405 and I almost slammed on my brakes because I drove right past the building that was used in Terminator 2 that exploded. Mm. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and it was just like, oh my God. It was just like, and like two cars almost rear-ended me. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that building's not supposed to be there. It exploded. <laughs> Mike but Gordon, yeah. what do you have at number three? Well, we're going to continue on talking about Terminator 2 because All that right. is uh, my number three as well. Um, it Yes, it as good as the first Terminator movie is, uh, Terminator 2 just 
is is so much better on every level and like mike was kind of alluding to uh, what i really love about it is sure you have this amazingly visual villain bad guy that's unstoppable that they're fighting but really when it comes down to what they're fighting is time they're trying to change the course of history and and it's an uphill battle all the way and it's it's I love the little character moments um, when um, uh, Sarah is is in the moment of quiet. Sarah is like cleaning her gun, and uh, she's she's looking over at the 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 Arnold Terminator with uh, her son, thinking that how he makes the perfect father uh, for him, that he would always protect him, he would never walk out on him, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, this is, I mean, this is amazing because you know. Like just a little, like in the first movie. I mean, you you called him a bad word, so, uh, so <laughs> <laughs> and you crushed him. Um, but uh, um, and the music's great. Um, the 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 visuals is great. It's probably one of my favorite James Cameron movies ever of all time. Um, I think it's just uh, amazing. Yeah, that's cool. I remember my second memory of Terminator Two was that when it came out, I remember distinctly, I was 12 years old. And my neighbor, who was also 12, was having his birthday party. And his mom, uh, or he was going to, and his friends were going to go see Terminator 2. And his mom was going to take the whole group of kids. And uh, I go, Mom, can I go see Terminator 2? And of course, at the time, it was rated R. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They go, my friend goes you gotta come see it with us and my mom goes you are not seeing a rated r movie and then my friend got his mom to ask my mom and my mom was like he's still not seeing it (laughs) (laughs) so i didn't see it till it came out on video years later nice yeah what is your number three well okay so this is what's really fascinating um the mics have talked at length about how much they love Terminator 2. I was hoping it was going to work out this way. Yeah, and how much better it is than Terminator 1, but I totally disagree. Um, I love Terminator, the first Terminator. Uh, and I, I'm not sure exactly why. I think that there is Terminator 1 for me, it, it's not as big and bold as Terminator 2. It's, it's much, a much more uh, tight story. Um, and I think that's what I love about it is that it's a very tight story, it's a very personal story, and it doesn't rely on some of, I think sometimes James Cameron, for me personally, can rely too heavily on his technology and like kind of get lost from the actual story. And I think, and, and that's not true. Or prevent him from actually making any movies at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just saying. <laughs> exactly. So, but I, and I, now I like Terminator 2, don't get me wrong, but I, I still think that Terminator 1 is the superior film, even though if you were to look at it from a technological standpoint, you'd say it was cheesier, but I think from a storytelling standpoint, it's actually less cheesy to me, and I like some of the things that they're playing with, and I like some of the characterizations, and some of the scenes are just so, the scene where um, Arnold walks into the club is just terrifying, and it's like, yeah. that dude is nuts. Yeah. So I love Terminator 1. I think, for me, Terminator 2, actually, and this is not a knock on the movie itself in any way. I love Terminator 2. In fact, if we, um, we should say, uh, there's a Patreon-exclusive portion to this podcast where we're going to go a little bit deeper, and you can hear what our 6 through 10 films are. That's right. And Terminator 2 will get talked about there (laughs) as well. But um, um, one of the problems I have with Terminator 2 is that it suffers from this thing 
that any pioneering visual effect film suffers from. Mm -hmm. So like Mike, you said, they were really the first ones to do the liquid metal thing. Yeah. And the tough thing about that is it's been done so much better since then. Oh, sure. And so you kind of see it back then. It's like they were the pioneers, but it's also doesn't look, it's like the matrix suffers from the same thing with bullet time. And, oh yeah. And I think that that happens a lot. It doesn't take away from the movie, but it's like the, the technology gets cleaner as time goes on. Yeah. I feel like one film that does not suffer from that is Jurassic Park. Oh, Jurassic yeah, it's still amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, exactly, and Jurassic Park was only a year later. Ah. Yeah, which is crazy, right? That's yeah. just so yeah, that's, insane. <laughs> that's weird. That's wild, man. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and that, <laughs> that shows just how quickly the technology was changing at that time. Yeah. We just we by the time this comes out, we will have just done Scary Movie Month on the Story Geeks podcast, and I also think you could Term Terminator One, the first film, is almost filmed like a horror film. I oh, think yeah. it was regarded as a horror film yeah. until yep. the other ones started to come out. Yeah, just crazy. Oh, exactly, and it scared the crap out of me. Are you Sarah Connor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we continue, we just want to let you guys know about all the additional content we have over at thestorygeeks.com. On our website, you can find the latest YouTube videos, Patreon posts, and additional content written by our blogger, Ashley Pauls, who shares her own thoughts on all of our podcast questions. So, and be sure to check out our Scary Movie Month episodes that we just wrapped up a little while ago. You can find episodes on A Quiet Place, The Meg, Get Out, and Event Horizon. And you can even see our top 10 scary movies. You can. It was the most frightening experience of our podcast careers. <laughs> so true. <laughs> but those are great episodes. So go back and check those out. Um, and all of that stuff and Ashley's blog post can be found at thestorygeeks.com. We'd also love for you to support us. There's three ways you can do that. You can support us monthly through our Patreon page. Patreon is a website that allows fans to support creators like us. When you support the show for as little as $2 a month, we give our thanks by giving you rewards, like additional content. If you love what we do, we would really appreciate it if you would become a patron. Please consider supporting us for only $2 a month. You get bonus content. Or for $3 a month, our most popular tier, you actually get access to our signature content. So we love doing that for you, and we appreciate all of our patrons. If you're a $5 patron, you actually get to contribute to the show. We will read off some of the answers to our most critical questions of the week. Another way to support us is to purchase Story Geeks merch. Show your family and friends that you're a super geek who loves digging deeper into science fiction, fantasy, and comic books just like us. It's a great way to support the show. And finally, if you're like me and you're a big theme park fan, check out ModernMouseBoutique.com. Modern Mouse Boutique sells geek fashion accessories, and they're famous for having some of the highest quality mouse ears you can buy. If you're planning a trip to a theme park or you're just a geek fan in general, check out ModernMouseBoutique.com. Our friends Angie and Josh are super creative and fantastic people. Use promo code STORYGEEKS. That's all one word, STORYGEEKS, no spaces. Use promo code STORYGEEKS and get 10% off your next order links to our patreon page our merch store and modern mouse boutique can all be found in the show notes or on our blog at thestorygeeks.com thanks for letting us interrupt now let's get back to the show okay my number three has nothing to do with terminator so i'm gonna break the cycle here. oh okay yeah because we were on terminator for four straight movies i know between I know. salvation <laughs> we went through the whole series almost so i feel good that i started the cycle but now i'm gonna break it okay so uh, my number three is interstellar 
Oh. Ooh. Which is a very different type of time travel, right? I mean, you're not necessarily like manipulating the time stream per se and doing that. You're just experiencing a different speed of the passage of time at right. different points throughout space. The laws of, the of science, hole. my friend. Exactly. That's right. So a different kind of time travel, but I think it still applies. And I love Interstellar. I know a lot of people have some complaints about it. For some reason, I... When he says a lot of people, he enters my name in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't thinking of you. I was thinking of... Uh, Jay and I are both part of the Empire Magazine Facebook group. Oh, yeah. And I think it's almost a prerequis- prerequisite that you dislike Interstellar to really? be a part of that group. <laughs> like, that it's just widely hated in that group. <laughs> I don't understand funny. why. But I'm, I mean, I'm a big Chris Nolan fan. Everybody knows that about me. And I love that movie to death. I actually think it's one of his best movies because he, you know, he can suffer from making cold films, right? Right. right. Like cold, like plot is super airtight and great twists and turns, great action, all that stuff. But the emotion lacks a little bit. And I feel like Interstellar is where he started to kind of break out of that. Mm. And some of the stuff with like with Matthew McConaughey watching the videos of his kids grow up and realizing he just missed their whole lives. Yeah. Like that, that ruins me every time I see it. It was heartbreaking, especially when he made it back and spoilers, if you hadn't seen the movie yet or anything, and he actually meets his daughter and she's on her deathbed. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the same age basically when he left. Right. It's, I, I actually, the parts of Interstellar that I love are the emotional parts. The parts of Interstellar that I'm not a big fan of are the the sort of the fanciful time travel, like the fact that you have to fly into a black hole for like it. The Tesseract to be, and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, yeah. The way that it's explained is not my personal favorite. Um, but I will say that the emotional uh, tones of that film are phenomenal. And like yeah. you said, for Chris Nolan, it's like extraordinary. Yeah. Another really good book, and I'm almost positive the mics have read this but a really good book that tackles time travel that way is um joe haldeman's um i'm gonna forget the name of it now forever war is that what it's called forever war um i think it's what it's called you have to go look it up but it's it's basically about how this guy who's who's in the military who's traveling around fighting these battles and like the entire world's aging at this phenomenal rate as he travels the galaxy fighting wars and it is a crazy interesting book it's kind of like the first three minutes of X-Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> wow. What does that mean? Wow. <laughs> exactly. Oh. That? Watching c- the world age around him as he fights Slurpy wars. headache. Slurpy <laughs> headache. Oh, ow. I don't, I don't think oh. they want to use that as a cover blurb to get readers. Oh, ow. <laughs> wow. I think we need to travel back in time and edit that out of the podcast. <laughs> Comedy gold. <laughs> Another really good book, and I'm almost positive the mics have read this, is um, Joe Haldeman's um, Forever War. Is that what it's called? Um, I think it's what it's called. You have to go look it up. But it's, it's basically about how this guy who's, who's in the military who's traveling around fighting these battles and like the entire world's aging at this phenomenal rate as he travels the galaxy fighting wars. And it is a crazy interesting book. Uh, Jay, what's your number three? Oh, already, no, we did your number three. Yeah, we already did. Oh my two. gosh, my brain. Too it many. is it is the Forever War. Too by the many. Way. So you can check it out. The Forever War. The what the question I meant to ask is Mike Faber, what's your number two? All right, number two. I am going to go from a film by Terry Gilliam, 
and we're going to look at oh, Time Bandits. Time Bandits. Oh. Didn't they just announce they're making a TV series out of Time Bandits? Yes, they did. So weird. Nice. You know, Time Bandits came out at a time where I was, you know, I was basically 12 years old. And it was amazing to see this film, you know, come out. It was like something I would see, you know, expect to see something, you know, normal like because i had already by this point started watching doctor who and it was like oh doctor who you know t- normal time travel and this was just like doctor who on acid <laughs> <laughs> and it was amazing just the concepts because you know i hadn't discovered monty python at this point and just seeing this on hbo as a kid was just like it was it opened my eyes to things I had never expected to see ever and to see characters because I knew who Sean Connery was as James Bond but I didn't really know any of the other actors at that point it is a crazy crazy movie Mm -hmm. and now I I love this film yeah there's images in that in that movie that are just burned into my head forever (laughs) because I saw it so young and I'm just like what the heck is this (laughs) Terry Gilliam he's Mm -hmm. unique that's an understatement. <laughs> Mike Gordon, what do you got? Wait, Mike, I have been spending way too much time with you. <laughs> like, over the, <laughs> over the eight, eight years. This is what you two have to look forward to because in about five five years, your answers are going to be identical as well. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, my number two is Time Bandits. It almost was my number one, but yes. I had to pull back a little bit, but... Uh, Time Bandits, I I love this movie. And uh, it came out around uh, my birthday, 1981. uh, And I remember seeing it. And uh, I, it, um, my, look, Star Wars opened my my world up in, in 1977, 78 when I saw it, you know. And then Raiders really made me want to be involved with storytelling, particularly making movies. Hmm. Time Bandits changed everything as far as the kind of stories and the kind of movies that I wanted to make. Because Terry Gilliam has a vision that's unlike anybody else's. And I had never seen, like Mike was pointing out, I had never seen, like, live, like he, he visually, this should have been an animated movie. But it was live action. And it played around with time in a way that I, I could understand, but yet it was very complicated. I mean, you have these guys who basically steal the blueprints of eternity, like like the, the whole universe, time and space itself. They can go anywhere they want with this map. And it just, you know, opened the doors. I, I, Sean Connery's in it. John Cleese is in it. Michael Palin's in it. I think, like Mike, I was starting to get involved with, uh, not involved, but I mean, I was starting to appreciate Monty Python. I've always been um, an Anglophile and appreciated Sherlock Holmes, Doctor Who, Robin Hood, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, and Robin Hood's in this. Um, it's just a fantastic movie with fantastic performances. Um, the, a bold choice of making, you know, sort of the your lead characters, uh, little people. You know, which hadn't been done before not like this you know they were always in the background like in suits playing ewoks or something you know (laughs) this allowed them to actually be like characters um shelly duvall is great in this as well it's just it's just such a fun movie and i don't think it gets i i'm i'm scared what they could do with it as a series but 
the premise has has so much potential that uh, I, I love it. I'm surprised it hasn't that have been followed up with since then. Hmm. It seems like the series would have to go really dark. It, it has why. that possibility. It, I mean, or it seems like that's maybe what they would do, which is. I mean, the movie's dark, but it yeah. also has that Terry Gilliam <laughs> kitsch to it, you know? I mean, it ends with the death of his parents. <laughs> like, like, I mean, spoiler alert, but it ends so with... So it's a Disney movie. <laughs> it, 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 it ends with the death of his parents, and you're actually not sad about it. No, <laughs> like, not at all. You kind of were like, oh, he's going to end up with Sean Connery. Awesome. Yeah, right. <laughs> Start looking at your parents weird. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we know from other movies that Sean Connery is a cool dad. Yeah, that's right. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I'm completely agreement with uh, Director Faber on this one. All right. Nice. Jay, what do you got at number two? I have a feeling that 99.9% of geeks will not have this on their top 10 time travel movie lists. Uh, but I love this film to death. Is it The Lake House? <laughs> no, The Lake House, isn't it? <laughs> what, what's The Lake House? I don't even know what that is. It's a romantic comedy. Oh, no, it is not The Lake House. Um, But it is a romantic comedy, ironically enough. It's uh, Midnight in Paris. Have you guys even seen Midnight in Paris? You've tried to get me to see Midnight in Paris. It's the Woody Allen movie, yeah. So, Jay, what is your number two film? I don't think that this will appear on 99.9% of geek lists. Is it The Lake House? (laughs) It is not. (laughs) It is not the lake house. And what's really funny about that is that we had the, the audio fail and Daryl just oh, made the same on, joke. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. Fourth it wall, to, man. Come it on. It has to be somewhere in time, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. A time travel show had to be broken up so that we can go back and record it all over again. Um, it is not the lake house. It is Midnight in Paris. Which oh, is a isn't Woody that Allen. the Woody Allen movie? Yeah. <laughs> I'm caught in a time loop. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it is such a good film. I love that film. Owen Wilson is hilarious in it. His comedy is subtle, but um, biting at times. And it's essentially about a guy who is dissatisfied with his current life and is able to jump in a taxi cab in Paris and travel back in time to meet his favorite writers. He's, he's a writer also. And through that process, he learns a lot about himself and about his circumstances. So it's... I think it's kind of cool and it has a good lesson tied to it personally. But have you guys have, have either of the mics? Have you guys seen it? I've not nope. seen it. Oh man. I'm the only one. <laughs> it's Jay's personal mission to get me to watch it. Cause he, <laughs> I don't like Woody Allen movies. It's just not my aesthetic, but he's like, no, you got to watch this one. <laughs> yeah. How many times have I told you to watch it? A At lot. least 10. <laughs> <A lot. laughs> yeah. In about five years, both of you will love that movie and put and choose it as number two. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. We have seen it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, my number two is Back to the Future, which we have talked oh, a lot about already. Yeah. So we don't necessarily have to keep talking about it, but we will talk about it again. Too. But I, uh, I, I was going to say, I, well, I was wondering if it was going to be your number two, and if that was going to be like our version of Time Bandits. For, oh no. Oh, um, that would have been so cute. I know, right? <laughs> Actually, as opposed to, because uh, Mike and Mike, you guys have had how many of the same films so far? Um, like three? T- two three, or three. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, two or three. Because you, you both had Star Trek, you both yep. had Terminator 2, and you yep. both had Time Bandits. Yep. And I don't think Daryl and I share any of this. <laughs> maybe well, one. We will. <laughs> yeah, maybe one. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, we've already talked a lot about it, but I mean, a lot of people think Back to the Future is a perfect film. Yeah. I I could see a good argument for that. Yep. And it's wonderful. It's amazing. So I'll just go ahead and leave it at that. We'll, <laughs> we'll go straight into the number one. So Mike Faber, what is your number one best time travel movie of all time? It is the most bodacious of movies that we're going oh. to talk about. Oh! <laughs> My <Like> friends, <laughs> we are going to be going to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yes! It, it was the movie that won me over from the very first scene all the way to the very end. It was fun. It was exciting. It was them parroting some Doctor Who, parroting Time Bandits, parroting Fast Times at Ridgemont High, so many different things. And from the opening scene with playing Breakaway by Big Pig and, you know, going all the way to them at the very end with Carlin looking at the screen and going, honestly, folks, they will get better. It was just, <laughs> it was, you know, it was just awesome. And originally I just went to go see that movie for George Carlin because I was a huge George Carlin fan in college. Oh, yeah. And it was just, you know, <coughs> Keanu Reeves I had never heard of before. And Alex Winter was the kid from, uh, what was it? The Lost Boys. The Lost Boys movie, exactly. Yeah. And so it was just like, oh, this is going to be fun. And it was awesome. It was just like... I've seen it probably at least a hundred times. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. To this it, day, whenever I go on a road trip, you can, you can know that at some point I will end up seeing something on the side of the road that makes me say strange things are afoot at the circle. circle K. K. Every time I see, <laughs> every time I see a circle K, I say that. <laughs> that is so awesome. Mm -hmm. So here's my, here's my embarrassing story about Bill and Ted. Um, I, I used to go to a church that was literally right across the street from San Dimas High School. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's right. awesome. You lived out there. Yeah, yeah, the high school that they were that they went to. And so I'm, I'm at that church, and uh, that church, every once in a while, would get college students that would come in and visit. And so it was like, you know, there's this introductory time at church where it's like the most awkward time ever where you're supposed to like say hi to someone around you, um, which like is the worst, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we're doing that. And in front of my wife and I is, um, like three or four young girls, right? They're college students, like just arriving. And, uh, and they go, yeah, we just, we just came into town. We're from out, we're from out of state or whatever. And, um, and they're like, yeah, we had never really heard of like this church or like APU till we came here. I'm like, oh, you never heard of it. And like, no, I'm like, but you know, you guys, uh, I, I think I said, San Dimas High School rocks. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what I mean? And they're like, and they just go like, ha, yeah. And then my wife turns to me and goes, they have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I go, you guys don't know Bill and Ted? And they look at me like with the most blank expression and go, no, we don't. <laughs> Dude, I had that happen to me yesterday. Also really? at church, ironically. <laughs> it was, uh, we were having a little birthday celebration for one of our staff members. Uh-huh. And one of our, another staff member grew up on a farm up near Fresno. So she'll bring produce in a lot. So she had this big old thing of peaches and they uh -huh. were really, really good. And one guy goes, how many peaches is this? And I said, millions of peaches. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and nobody flinched. <laughs> Not a single person in the room knew what oh, I was talking about. Oh, <laughs> oh. what are you going like, to do? This sucks. <laughs> 
<laughs> you just turn around and leave. <laughs> yeah. That dude is weird. <laughs> I'm too old to be here. <laughs> yeah. Or too young. When they were both dynamics were going on. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that a fantastic awesome. choice. Number as your number one, I I respect that, Mike. That is oh, excellent. Thank you, thank yeah. you. <laughs> so, Mike Gordon, what is your number one? Well, we this is where I uh, this is where I leave Faber a little bit uh, behind. Um, <laughs> is it Bogus uh, Journey? It <laughs> <is>. <laughs> hey, dude, don't fear the Reaper. <laughs> I, I do have to give respect to Bogus Journey, if for no nothing else, for uh, you know uh, a uh, Igmar Bergman parody. Like, it's like, <laughs> like what? Who does that? Like expecting people to understand it? Like it was just amazing. Um, <laughs> In some ways, I give uh, Bogus Journey more props uh, than that uh, than the first one for that. But um, no, I like the Bill and Ted movies. Uh, none of them made my list, but uh, what did make my list at number one is one that uh, Mike has already mentioned, and that is Back to the Future, nineteen eighty five. Someone has already mentioned that it, it is arguably a perfect movie, um, and I, I have to say, like. Look, you know, I tried to, like I said, judge these based on their use of time travel and um, more sometimes that beat out my love for like I love Time Bandits. As far as my passion goes, Time Bandits is probably the most passionate movie on my list. But I cannot argue the beauty and and perfection that is Back to the Future. Um, Excellent cast, excellently written. Excellent, very accessible, so accessible. Um, it's one of those movies that if it's on and you're remote surfing, then you're trapped because as soon as you hit it, you're you're just done for the day. Uh, <laughs> so true. Um, you, you just have to keep watching. No, despite the fact that you might have seen it uh, two hundred times already, um, <laughs> it, it's just it's just so fun. And uh, yeah, what more can be said? It's just a great film. It is, I think. We had a on another episode. We had a conversation about um, which movies handle time travel the best. Yeah, and we really liked Back to the Future in that regard because you don't get caught up in a lot of the mind-bending conversation that you do with other time travel movies because they just don't take it that seriously. Like they keep it very simple. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna just keep talking raving about it because it's my number one as well um i do think it's a perfect film i think that uh the writing is amazing the pacing is amazing every act builds upon the act before it to uh come to a conclusion that's phenomenal and i mean the fact that they build so much of the comedy off the fact that we know as an audience what's going on but the people in 1955 have no clue Right. So like the, the whole fact, the whole awkwardness with his mom, we're just sitting there cringing and laughing <laughs> at the fact that it's just the worst case scenario. And of course, she has no clue at all, you know, and it's just uh, it's just really magnificently done. And what one of the things I love about it is if you were reading that script as an actor, I think you, there's a chance that you'd be like, here's one of these. You know, they didn't have this at the time, but direct-to-video movies. This is going to be terrible. Why? Why are we even bother with this? Nowadays, they call those Bruce Willis movies. <laughs> oh, ouch! Oh. Ouch! <laughs> the, the roast of Bruce Willis continues on the Story Geeks podcast. <laughs> um, 
No, this is just a, this is just a a great film all around. I mean, if it's not on your top five, it's I I feel for you because it's just <laughs> how can you not enjoy it? You have no soul. <laughs> exactly. Um. Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it went silent very quick, and I wasn't yeah. ready for it. Uh, my number one is one that we've talked about before already. Uh, it's Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. Oh, nice. I unapologetically love Tom Cruise as a movie star. Yeah. People think he's crazy. Yes, he's crazy. <laughs> People hate him because he's a Scientologist. Yeah, that's weird. I, I, I agree. But he is just a killer movie star. When he tries to be an actor and stretch himself, I don't enjoy it as much. But when he's in his element, Mission Impossible, Edge of Tomorrow... Oblivion is one of my favorite films. Top Gun, Days of Thunder, all you know, all this good stuff. When he's being Tom Cruise, yeah, I love it. And so pair that up with a really well-told time travel movie, time travel story, yeah, directed by Doug Liman, who is fantastic. Also with Emily Blunt, who is super fantastic. <laughs> and what's not to love? I love the first in the first uh, little bit when he starts to figure out what's going on. And then he starts to mess with all of, <laughs> all of his, uh, <laughs> his uh, what do you call them? Like troop mates, or if you. Yeah. <laughs> and they just look at him like, what is going on with this guy? That's a great scene too. I think uh, one of my favorite s- scenes in the whole movie is just the last couple seconds of the movie. Mm. After everything is okay and everything's been reset, and sorry if nobody's seen it, spoiler alert, but <laughs> everything's kind of gone back to normal and. And he's going to see Emily Blunt's character. And he remembers everything. But she doesn't. Oh, right, yeah. And so he walks up, and then she's just as, like, hard-edged and mean as she was the first time she met him and has no idea what all they've been through. And she's like, do you want something? And then he just goes, and starts to laugh, and then they cut to black, and that's the end. (laughs) (laughs) It's really good. That is phenomenal. So I love that one. Cool. So there we go. That is our top five... best time travel films of all time it's a pretty definitive top five right we're experts i always i would say if you got earth station one on your podcast yes all things geek right yeah, I think, yeah you have to have a definitive list at that point in time yes so if you guys want to hear um six through ten as well as producer freddy's one through five because we'll rifle through those real quick on the patreon version that's right um then uh Please consider subscribing to Patreon, and uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about how to do that shortly here. And stay tuned for some of our patrons have submitted lists. We're going to read those off as well. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, for now, for this main part of the podcast, Mike and Mike, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for having us. It was our pleasure to be here. Absolutely. And, fun uh, time. Fun as always. Yeah. And Mike I survived Gordon, my first you, time. You yeah. did. That's right. That's right. You did. And then we'll get you on four more times and then we'll get those five timer jackets in the mail for you guys. And <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's that time of the week where we actually have the contributor level sponsors that sponsor us on Patreon. Yeah. They answered a question of the week and we are going to read their responses. So this is our uh, top five podcast for time travel movies but we also have a patreon release that is our six through ten movies so we asked our patrons to submit their full top ten lists and we have top ten lists from mary jim and monty indeed we do jim is a bit of a cheater just like you 
He has a tie. Does he have a tie? He has two ties. <laughs> if Good you job, haven't Jim. figured this out by listening to our show yet, you can always expect one of Jay's top tens to actually be a top 11. Well, it's supposed to be. So the way you're supposed to do it is technically <laughs> if you have like a top, if you have a tie at nine, then that's you your nine out. and ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I always just give one a tie yeah. at ten, and of course I make it in. Like I said, cheater. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Jim has a tie at number 10 between the final countdown and hot tub time machine. That Which, did not appear on any of our lists. It did not appear on no. any of our lists. I've never seen that. Um, at number nine, Jim has a tie between The Terminator and Terminator 2, mm-hmm. which both of which we did talk about quite a bit. Right. At number eight, he's got Time Cop, Jean-Claude Van Damme. I almost said classic. <laughs> I don't want to say that. <laughs> um, at number seven, he's got Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. We talked a lot about that one. Time-traveling whales in space. How can you go wrong? That's awesome. At number six, he's got Planet of the Apes. At number five, he agrees with Mike Faber and says the 1960s The Time Machine. Uh, Going classic on that one. Number four, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Number three, Groundhog Day. Number two, Edge of Tomorrow. And number one, man, talk about cheating. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the Back to the Future trilogy. Yeah. So so Jim actually has like 15 or 16 movies in his top 10. Yeah. There you go. Mm. Well, Mary, another one of our Patreon supporters, has at number 10, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. At number 9, Time Lapse. I don't know that one. I don't either. Number 8, Deja Vu. Number yeah. 7, Frequency. Number 6, Terminator. Number 5 is not a movie. And it is a series I really want to see, so so Mary is also cheating on her list. It is 112263, <laughs> which is based on a Stephen King time travel novel, which I have read, and it's excellent, so I can't wait to see that. At number four, she has Terminator 2. At number three, she has Edge of Tomorrow, which is a very popular one for all of us, which is cool. It's a great movie. <laughs> number two, Back to the Future. And number one from Mary Baldwin is Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Okay, and then rounding this out, we have Monty's list. So at number 10, he has Back to the Future 2. At number 9, he has Back to the Future 1. And at number 8, he has Back to the Future 3. And I respect him for putting Back to the Future 3 on the top of that list. There you go. I didn't do it, but I was tempted to do it (laughs) because I love that movie. Uh, Number 7, he has Vantage Point, which he says might not count. I've seen that. I'm trying to remember... I don't know if that does count. I think it's just the same story told from different people's perspectives. Ah, maybe, yeah. But it's a really good movie. Uh, number six, Hot Tub Time Machine. Yep. Is that... Have you seen that? No. Is it? <laughs> I have no idea. I just assumed it wouldn't be good, but I, I don't know. Uh, number five, he has uh, Star Trek, the 2009 film, J.J. Abrams' first movie, which does count. He says if that doesn't count, then Men in Black 3. <laughs> but... <laughs> Which is a good thing it counts, because Men in Black 3 shouldn't be on a list. (laughs) (laughs) It is a time travel movie. But yeah, I didn't think it was great either. Uh, Number four, Looper. Number three, X-Men Days of Future Past. Number two, Source Code. And number one, rounding it out with a kid's film, Meet the Robinsons. First time that appears. Yes. Awesome. Love it. So I feel like we can always count on Monty for the unique perspective. Absolutely. I like that. 
So if you would like to have your top 10 list, your responses to some of our deeper questions, um, if you would like to have those read on the podcast, you can support us on patreon.com slash the story geeks at $5 a month or more. If you support us for $5 a month or more, we will read your responses to our question of the week. And you don't even need to respond if you support us for $5 a week. There's several people that, <laughs> that don't actually respond to the questions too. So either way you want to do it. But special thanks to all of our patrons because we love you guys. You guys allow us to do this, and um, we're hoping to grow that as much as possible. So if you're thinking about subscribing, patreon.com slash thestorygeeks. For $5 a month, you, you can be a part of this podcast. Yep. Coming up next week on the Story Geeks podcast, we are digging deeper into Leia's character journey. That's right. We're going back into Star Wars. So do not forget to subscribe. You do not want to miss out on that content. That's right. And be sure to connect with us in the Story Geeks Facebook group. Let us know your thoughts on today's show. Give us your top five time travel movies. And let us know what else you'd like to see us talk about in the future. If you enjoyed today's show or any of the Story Geeks podcast, please share our show with a geek friend. Links to everything we've talked about are in the show notes. So thanks for listening. And as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories. And always seek the truth. We're diving back into Star Wars. We'd love to have you guys with us for that. So don't subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> don't subscribe. <laughs> Whatever you do, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> this is impossible. <laughs> I need to time travel back and redo this whole thing. <laughs>